Hello and welcome to Running on Joy with Francesca Goodwin, the podcast that celebrates putting one foot in front of the other in whatever form that takes. This is a podcast that explores how we can live in a more connected, creative and compassionate manner for the benefit of our communities, our planet and our own mental and physical health. I'm your host, Francesca Goodwin, and every week I'll be asking a new interviewee what joy means to them. Running on Joy is ad-free, but if you enjoy the show, please do take a moment to leave a review and give feedback wherever you listen to your podcasts. You might also consider supporting the work of Running on Joy guest Dan Lawson through rubbish shoes and rerun clothing to end the cycle of wastage in the sports clothing and footwear industries. Follow at Rubbish Shoes and at Rerun.Clothing on Instagram for further information. Hello and thank you for joining me for the first post-journey interview of a series following the Fairways Project a collaboration between the Big Hoof, Running on Joy and the British Pilgrimage Trust. Fairways aims to connect people to the outdoors through long-distance journeys on foot and horse along the old ways of the UK for the benefits of their mental and physical health. This July, our core team of four set out on a 200-mile adventure across St Columba's Way in Scotland to raise money for the incredible work of the Venture Trust and, specifically, their new outdoor therapy programme supporting the mental health of vulnerable 16 to 25-year-olds and ex-service personnel. We were joined by over 40 people at various points of the route, our aim being to break down what a runner, rider or hiker should look like, and to open conversations around the benefits of a reciprocal relationship to nature and mindful slow travel. Over the next few months, Running on Joy will be bringing you some of these stories, along with personal reflections and interviews with patrons and collaborators. If you feel inspired, you can find out about future Fairways projects and how to support our fundraising efforts at www.thebighoof.com forward slash fairways. This episode was recorded over Zoom a week after the ride across Scotland, and it has a conversation with Zoe Davidson, who joined us at the halfway point of the adventure. It was a great opportunity to delve more into Zoe's own story as well as to capture her reflections on how she was affected by her time with the Big Hoof Gang. I'm very blessed today to be sitting in a slightly less frantic space with Zoe, who joined us at our halfway mark and quickly became an indispensable member of the team with her good humour and practical no-fuss nature. She also arrived bearing a cake that she'd managed to transport complete um, with decorative hoof icing in one piece to Scotland in her backpack. So this is a lady with skills and (laughs) it's a great delight to be able to spend this intentional time with her today. So hi Zoe, it's so so nice to reconnect with you and to welcome you to the podcast. Hi, yeah, thank you very much for having me. It's lovely to see you again and have the time to chat. So yeah, looking forward to this. So let's just like pretend for a second that we're we're back in the marquee at Loch Tay where you found us all um, on that evening. So who is Zoe? How would you introduce yourself? Gosh, goodness. Um, I think it's changed a lot over the last few years and especially in the last year, I think. Uh, It's a great question, actually, because... I so I used to be um, a pentathlete uh, and I did that uh, for a good six, seven years of my life. So that became a huge identity for me um, mm-hmm. and something that I really struggled when I left sport to kind of move on from and recreate a new identity for myself. Um, since then, I have done various things in the UK I was a headhunter for fintech and software I've done marketing but the the biggest thing I think that has changed since sport is I jumped on a one-way flight to Kenya um, and I spent 14 months in Africa and that totally changed my life totally changed my identity um, and yeah I think that's really who I am today um, well it's a, it's a it's a combination of all of the experiences I've had but um, I think Fundamentally, I'm an explorer, someone that loves to have a good time. I'm very ambitious. Um, I love to be surrounded by people who 
are also share those similar values um, and are interesting and, and curious. And uh, I love I love listening to people's stories and sharing different ways of of thinking. So I guess that's that's who I. And it sounds very much there, like you you kind of made a maybe unconscious or conscious decision to sort of walk away from maybe a trajectory in life where um, labels or a perception of who you might be were sort of imposed on you in in the position that you held as a, as a very competitive pentathlete, we might add as well. Um, and then kind of going and forging your own path. Did it feel like that at the time that you were looking for something that was a bit more fluid, a bit more of your own determination? Yeah, I mean, that's a really good way of putting it. And I guess I've never really, that's why I love having these conversations because people do, inject different ideas and that's a brilliant brilliant way of looking at it um I think I hadn't realized quite what an identity it was and I was very proud of the identity when I was in sport um I was so passionate about it it really fueled my ambition and it really um yeah it it fed into that that person that I was at that time um but I think post-sport yeah it was it was definitely tricky to move away because I think I am such a free spirit and I do love having numerous um, things on the go and numerous ideas in my head. And I think to a certain extent, pentathlon probably provided that because it is multi-sport. I think it had been if it had been a solo sport and, and just one, it would have been a totally different story. Um, but yeah, I think I think it has been a very interesting journey post-sport. Um, and I have been able to kind of exercise that more free-spirited explorer and adventurer side. Because mm, there's an immense pride, um, I guess, with wearing wearing a GB vest, for example. Um, and I, I hear a lot of people kind of talk about enjoying the heritage that that goes with that of thinking those that have worn it before and what it means to represent your country. But I can imagine that that also comes with a huge burden, possibly of of expectation or interpretation of what that must mean to wear that vest. Yeah, definitely. I think there is a huge amount of pride and pride that I still have um, now uh, of the career that I I once did, um, because I think it has shaped me so much as a person more than anything. And I've been able to transfer those skills that I had when I was an athlete into the real world. I'm very grateful for that. Um, but yeah, I, I you are right. Um, it, it does come with pressure, but I think at the time you don't really see it as pressure. Um, and it, I guess now pressure is something that I thrive upon and that's what I was trained to do as well. Um, but yeah, yeah, you, I, I could, you could see it. So talking of identity and putting yourself in a pressure cooker as well, what were your first impressions of the people that surrounded you when when you got to the tent at Locte? Well, firstly, I was seriously impressed by the the day that they had just done. Um, I think it was, was it 28 miles that day. Yeah, that was the just, long day. <laughs> I mean, I, I yes, I have been an athlete, but I have never walked. I have never walked with a backpack. And so like the thought of doing 10 miles <laughs> walking on my feet with a backpack um, that I could barely pick up was slightly scaring me. Um, so to think that you guys had just done seven days and your last day had been a 28 miler was pretty, pretty incredible. So I definitely knew I was around people that were up for a challenge, people that were here for a good time. Um, I could tell that by the tent. Uh, there was uh, dancing and and drinks flowing. So it was, it was, yeah, it was a really nice, warm environment to come into. I'm really happy that I did um, come in at that point because I think it was a really nice way of meeting people um, in more of a relaxed environment as well. I think that it was the incredible relief of not having to face another 28 yeah. mile day after that. <laughs> the slightly unintentional 28 mile day. But yeah, it was, um, I think, I mean, there was a sort of carnival atmosphere because obviously the, um, do you ask, no, it wasn't. It was a quadrathlon, wasn't it? Yeah. Quadrathlon. <laughs> Keep trying to wrap my head around that different, different way of numbering of things um, that was going on. And then obviously, you know, the party and the, and the fireworks and stuff. But um, it did feel at that point almost like, okay, we're pausing and then kind of we're recalibrating in terms of the, the group demographic as well, which was really interesting in terms of some people leaving and, and some people 
coming on board as well. So I guess did that feel like a a kind of opportunity in a way to to sort of be part of that almost kind of creative sort of process of rearranging the group? Yeah, definitely. And I think it was really interesting for me as well to see people that were leaving at that point and chat with them. And I got kind of the best of both worlds because I was able to talk with a huge amount of people that had been on the journey, that were excited to go on the journey and hadn't yet done a day. Um, So yeah, there was a huge amount of, of, noise and and excitement for the rest of the journey which was it was really nice to be a part of and what was your journey sort of both literally and and metaphorically in terms of what led you to that point um what drew you to the big hoof initially and then also just kind of your your journey and maybe your thoughts leading up to getting to Scotland as well because we've just said you're in the Cotswolds so (laughs) getting yourself up there to join in this kind of unknown situation yeah great great question as well um so I first heard about the big hoof uh when I was out in Africa and a friend of mine Rafi was on the ride with Louis and Kiki um in Europe and they were in the car um or she was in the car and she reached out to me and said could you promote this on your Instagram. And I, of course, I was more than happy to do so. Um, and then was able to follow the journey because that was the first that I heard. So it was really, really nice to then feel like I was a part of it, even though I was in Africa. Um, and then I had a bit of a crazy idea, I uh, still do, um, to ride from Cape Town um, in South Africa to Kenya um, on horseback. And I knew that Louis was very good at these long rides. So I reached out to him at the beginning of this year just to say, hey, any tips and tricks for long rides? Um, would love to hear your insights and and know, know a bit more about your Europe ride. And we got chatting and he, he spoke to me about um, the Scotland ride. And so he said, yeah, come along um, and be a part of it. So, I, of course, I, when I knew that I was going to be back from Africa for the summer, um, I grabbed it. Um, and physically, the journey was so I jumped on a flight from Bristol up to Glasgow and then a bus from Glasgow to somewhere else to catch a train. And then from the train Unfortunately, all the buses had stopped because it was a weekend. So I hitchhiked up to <laughs> Lock Day and then I jumped in a in a car uh, with someone who um, Louis had lined up a lift for up to uh, where you guys were. So, yeah, it was a, it was a very exciting journey right from the beginning. Um, and I, yeah, I guess that really started the whole you've got to be in the right mindset to these, these kind, kinds of adventures. Um, and I think a lot of people fantasize about them and, and want to do them. But actually, when you get down to it, uh, I think being in the right mindset and just just being open minded and taking on any opportunity. So, I mean, that was the first time I hitchhiked. So, yeah, it was it was an experience and and it was a first to begin with. So I think that's was it was a cool, cool way of starting. Mm, yes, I asked the practical element of that question because in my mind I was recalling quite a lot of the WhatsApp messages that were going yeah. on. I was kind of like, well, I'm stuck here, and then I'm stuck here, and yeah. then I'm also stuck here and trying to get here. All with the cake, and, and it was really convenient with the cake. <laughs> All with this cake that I've got to preserve. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that that hitchhiking story as well is is um, sort of um, also emblematic of a lot of the sort of instances of kindness that we experienced and and welcoming from the people that we were meeting along the way not just from the group itself too yeah totally and I I I guess I've never done it before because I've never felt comfortable or never felt that it would be received well but I literally jumped off the train um walked I don't know a few hundred meters down the road stuck out my thumb and (laughs) the first person that passed me picked me up so um yeah it was it was it was incredible to be surround know that i was being in a in a place that was surrounding in kindness and and generosity i mean it's interesting as well and i don't know if you've experienced this and whether you could do a comparison between when you've maybe done some traveling by yourself as as a woman um and actually it was something that i remarked to to louis on the way that actually there's a, there's a lot of women who are joining this and i wonder if that's a really positive thing because maybe they wouldn't be doing this by themselves in yeah. in the middle of the highlands like and actually joining a group who are doing it 
altogether is is something of a of an enabler that that makes people just feel a little bit more reassured like there is that support network around and did did you find that to be the case that it sort of enabled you even in that moment where you were by yourself and doing this thing you were kind of coming along and that there was that sort of community atmosphere around that decision yeah totally and I think that brings out quite a few other points as well because uh not only can you be a part of a group but you can also have solo time within a group. Like there was a lot of time that I had where I felt like I was part of the group, but I maybe hung back uh, a few hundred meters or whatever it was because I wanted that kind of solo reflective time to be alone, but also feel like I was within the group. And I think that's really powerful that you can have both aspects when you're in that sort of environment. Um, but yeah, I think you're right um, that a lot of a lot of females did come on the ride um and it created I, I think cross-generationally from people from all walks of life uh and it, it created a really interesting atmosphere to bounce questions on and 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 share experiences with um and I, I yeah like you say I think I think there is that aspect that solo travel as a female can be dangerous it can be worrying um so to to have a um to facilitate a journey that is a little bit more safe um yeah I think is really beneficial mm, I mean it can be flipped as well I talk to a lot of you know solo female adventurers uh, and they say actually haven't had any encounters with particular difficulty associated um with um identifying as a woman um but and also that it can be something of a positive because people will actually take a, a woman into the home, yeah. perhaps um, uh, with a more positive attitude than maybe a, a solo man traveling by himself. Yeah. Um, and but then also it's about getting women to feel that they can show up to that adventure to feel in the first yeah. instance that they can do it. And I think we have more of a problem with that, yeah. <laughs> not necessarily the exceptions who do go and do it so I think yeah. the more that we can facilitate these things where yeah you're kind of part of something but also yeah. making your own decisions have your own autonomy yeah. have your own space and things the more that you can think oh actually maybe this is something I can do <laughs> this is yeah right. and be on an equal playing field as well like we all had to do exactly the same thing we all had to carry exactly the same bag pitch our tent in exactly the same way eat our food you know it was, it's all the same um and I think so often you can have disparities between male and female or whatever. Um, and I think it was really nice to all be in the journey together, all be doing exactly the same mileage, weight, etc. cetera. Um, so yeah, I think, it, yeah, it was a really special journey. Mm, and I guess there's also that thing with the notion of, um, of traveling with intention, although we'd all kind of joined for different reasons. Um, there was the notion of all going forwards because we wanted to do this thing with doing this kind of slower means of travel, doing it for, for a good cause. And that kind of feeds into the idea of this um, sort of secular pilgrimage as well, traveling with intention and whether any elements of those ideas connected with pilgrimage that had kind of um, chimed with some of perhaps your reasons for joining the trip in the first place? Or was that something that you thought about as we were traveling? Yeah, I think if I'm totally honest, I I joined having very little planning and very little um idea of what I was getting myself into and an expectation and I and that's what I love about journeys like this is and what I try and apply to with all the places that I travel to uh because I think it then you have a clean piece of paper to work on rather than thinking right I'm expecting it to be this hard or I'm expecting to sleep in this place or I'm expecting to meet this type of person um so I think yeah I I always try and bring a very clean piece of paper to work with um so if I'm honest, no, I didn't have uh, any any ideas of this before I came along. Um, but you could definitely feel it when we were on this journey. Like I said, it's something I'd never done before. So <clears throat> along the journey, I had different emotional feelings. I had different ideas. And I, I reflect on the journey. And there was one massive, massive thing that came out of it for me. And that was the time and the and the presenceness to be able to kind of just filter through all of my thoughts. I'd, I'd kind of been in a place where I was 
I'd had a lot of external input um, and I'm, I'm figuring out a few things, both in a business perspective and personal life. And I think I was able to challenge them in mo- multiple different ways. Um, and I think my my analogy for that is you, you take a chunk of cheese and you can look at a piece of cheese from if it's sliced like a pie, you can look at it from the bottom and it's or, or from the side and it's sliced like a, a rectangle or a square. Um, and then again, from the other side and it's sliced like a rectangle or a square, depending on which side you're looking at it. So it, the piece of cheese has multiple ways of looking at it. And I was able in that moment to look at my life like a piece of cheese. So what 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 happens if you do this or why would you do that and and how is that going to impact you or how could you do it differently um and I love challenging thoughts because I think so often people just cruise with life and they don't ever reflect upon their own uh thoughts in an analytical way and that's when I think you can make make progress or make a different different route anyway I I was able to do that and then then I was able to fully accept and validate what I was most happy with. Um, and so I think in such a short period of time, it's a really powerful thing to come away with. Um, so yeah, for me, that was that was a very monumental part of, of my journey. And I guess maybe in a sense, that was my pilgrimage. Mm, yeah, it's, a, it's an internal pilgrimage. And I think that that is sort of the, that's the thing that people um, maybe miss out in what they're considering to be a pilgrimage. It's sort of going from one place to another in pursuit of something historical, but it's actually, yeah. you know, it's the things that are within yourself that you carry with you, yeah. <laughs> your history, your preconceptions of yourself, of others, yeah. of, of things in life. Um, and then, as you say, it's that kind of filtration that happens within you that's the journey as well as the physical exercise of getting from a to b as well yeah and having like for me i've always had performance targets to hit and always had a goal at the end or always had a journey and had milestones to get to but for me it was just it was so peaceful and and still the fact that it was just i knew that i was walking from a to b but i had no idea how i was getting there i had no idea what i was going to see along the way um and it was, it was, yeah, there was no, there was no results driven. Um, so it was, it was totally my, my own, my own ju- internal journey and, and with the people around me. And although that is obviously an, a kind of analytical manner of approaching it, do you feel that that kind of came more from a heart space? Yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, totally from heart space because yeah, like I said, it's, it was so non-performance driven, so non-results driven it was just total, totally emotional. And because I was able to be so present in that time, I had no external influences. Um, I was in the most beautiful place, enjoying a really challenging, interesting journey um, amongst nature and in in, in the wild. Um, and yeah, around people that if I wanted to bounce an idea off, they would bring a whole different um very interesting perspective so yeah I mean it it totally was was from the heart is it that kind of emotion-led decision making process that has led to kind of tipping points in your life such as that journey to Kenya such as founding your company did you find yourself returning to those moments where you've had an instinct and thought yeah this is what I need to do yeah great question um I think leaving sport was definitely um driven by emotion and I had to again challenge that because I didn't want it to just be one you wake up with one emotion and and you're done with it (laughs) um so it it took me a long time to leave sport uh I mean a a matter of years really um but yeah I mean getting out to Kenya was definitely emotionally driven um and I, I think I've realized how important listening to your intuition and your gut is and as an athlete I you always think you're very conscious with your body and and to an extent you are but you're you're conscious to a results in a results driven way um because you're thinking oh that little niggle in my shoulder or that little niggle in my knee could mean that I don't do a training session here or or am I getting injured or whatever it is but for me now my intuition and my gut feeling is all about happiness, freedom, and safety, really. Because when I'm out in Africa, 
if I don't listen to my gut and I think, oh, I, I, I feel like there could be an elephant or a buffalo to my left, then if I don't listen to that, then it, it is a matter of life and death sometimes. So I've, I've, I've had to, or I've, I've chosen to re-listen to that gut and trust that gut feeling um, and have more confidence in it. Because I think when you don't listen to it, you do have, you do worry uh, that it's not playing truthful to you. Uh, mm. But yeah, I, I've, I've managed to develop it and yeah, I'm, I'm still on that journey. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really interesting hearing you reflect on that and that kind of experience of an athlete saying, oh yeah, I'm really in tune with my body. I listen to my body, but that can become quite a catastrophizing yeah. and self-critical mindset because you're also measuring up as to whether that will enable you to perform. Will I be able to do this? Or I can't do that rather than just seeing it in a more holistic sense of okay how do I feel about this yeah <laughs> how is this impacting me emotionally do I actually need to just take a step back and allow myself to do that it's a very non a non-permissive yeah. <laughs> kind of mindset to have isn't yeah. it totally. and do you find that that carries over into how you then create a sense of of safety and belonging and, and trust in the people that you're guiding on these um these adventures that you lead yeah definitely I think I'm I'm very, very grateful for the the awareness and the things that I've been through in life. And I always say I don't regret anything, even if it is it has been a tricky patch or um, yeah, it's it's not been so 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 good. Um, for example, I had depression in 2019, and I think I look upon that time now, and I'm so grateful for it because it I I see it as increasing my emotional range um and I think it it gives you an ability to feel deeper um and a, and a wider spectrum of emotions and not only that is that I can also I feel like I have a, a greater awareness and a less of a judgmental perspective when I'm chatting to people um and I'm able to I guess one be vulnerable um because I love I love the quote vulnerability breeds vulnerability by Brené Brown um and I think it is so true uh and people are able to share with me if they want uh their experiences because I think they feel like it's a safe space it's not all all rosy and and golden but it doesn't you don't have to be a victim of that like I'm not a victim of depression it's part of my life it's an experience I've had I've grown from it and I think I've I've taken the best bits out of it um and I'm very yeah I'm very grateful for that but it has given me that awareness that I would like to think that I carry into my guiding my business my personal life um and yeah it just gives me a wider um, emotional range to play with mm, it's really interesting thinking about that in terms of what you said about you know kind of when you join the group and things kind of being being messy and open and yeah. not a space that um kind of glamorized the the adventure process which I think we do get from social media and things yeah. and actually part of that is part of the storytelling process as well and yes we want to make these things look exciting but actually that doesn't mean that you can't be vulnerable and actually vulnerability is where the growth happens and I'm interested because we've talked about kind of you post pentathlete kind of stages in life and thank you so much for sharing other aspects of your emotional journey because it's it's really brave putting that out into the world so that others can connect with it as well so I just want to say thank you for that too um but what was your what was your relationship with kind of like the outdoors um and sport as you were growing up did you always have this kind of urge to to push yourself beyond kind of what you thought you might be capable of were you someone who gravitated towards nature and being outside and doing things as a child yeah definitely I mean I loved I've been very fortunate to be brought up in the part of the world that I have been um and constantly surrounding myself with mud and animals and nature and and all the rest of it um and yeah, I mean there's photos I I can I look back on and I'm just rolling around in mud with literally just my eyes showing. Um and yeah, always around animals. And I think animals have a really special place in my heart, especially horses, um, because I think they are incredible creatures of of counsel and and reflection. Um and there's 
a, a, there's a secret or a silent um yeah process that you can communicate with in, with a horse um and there's there's obviously no uh verbal communication back but the the energies that you bring when you're around a horse and you're able to pick up on body language or their body language um i think is hugely powerful um so that's what i love i was so attracted when louis said about the kind of the journey being along the power of the horse uh and i think it's so true you don't have to be riding it you can be walking along alongside it or you can be around it in the field at the end of the day when you've put up your tent um but just having that animal sense is is very powerful but yeah as a as a kid i was always always up for an adventure and always enjoyed pushing myself weirdly to crazy crazy limits um and i yeah i found i think that's one thing i miss actually is pushing myself physically um it's i everything else i've managed to replicate in a in a in the next life but the physical challenge um of pushing your body to that end extreme and then getting to that point where you think wow yeah i did it wow well done great job um is is something that sport and adventure and i think that's why i'm so attracted to these sorts of adventures because it does it does bring that physical element too mm, it's both physical and mental and some people might have the perception of because of kind of your heritage of, of sport and of adventure that oh this is like this is plain sailing going along this <laughs> this walk but were there any elements both physically and uh, emotionally of the journey that perhaps surprised you in ways that you couldn't anticipate I mean you said that you went in kind of with a clean slate without any expectations but are there any particular aspects of it or, or moments that jump out of you where you felt like oh I hadn't I hadn't realized I'd find this difficult yeah I think obviously I'd be lying if I if said my feet weren't sore at parts um and I think that I definitely had that uh I think my approach to it which I was very interested to see because I've never really like seen myself go into this zone um it's kind of just been more subconscious is just put your head down and get on with it um mm. and that's what I love I love more than anything about hardships is when the going gets tough, like you just put your head down and you just march on. Um, so I really enjoyed probably, I probably enjoyed those parts the most because they're the ones that aren't plain sailing and it is challenging. And you feel like you've at the end of the day, when you sit down and you put your feet up, God, does it feel incredible. Like I will never take a bed for granted or, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, putting your feet up and sitting down for granted because at the end of the day, it's oh god it, there's nothing better i remember when we um we got to god you had to remind me of the the place the um, the christian church along just before we took that walk over the the new passage i can't remember the name um but when we got there we'd done a few few nights camping a few days on our feet and just to sit on a bed and have a warm shower like it was just so special um so yeah there was definitely definitely hard times I think emotionally um I'm not very good I, I having always been an individual person or athlete um my patience is limited um and I think because I have a very like just get on and do it attitude I found myself not that it was a hard emotional decision but I found myself having to lean and be very conscious that there are other people that do journeys very differently to me and that was really interesting for me as well because um it added to my journey but yeah it was it was definitely it took me out of my comfort zone of just get on and do it um so that was yeah a very interesting emotional reflection that I had and also, I think for me, having been in Africa for the last 14 months and constantly on the go, constantly high adrenaline, um, either being around people working or or having to be on it because you're in the bush and you're having to be like alert for animals. It was a really safe space for me to just relax for the first time in a long time um, and kind of, again, just let the last year kind of sink in um and to be able to reflect on the, those moments from a year ago uh and realize the value in them in a different way um so yeah i think it was it was very um 
it just brought a lot of ideas and a lot of thoughts and a lot of experiences together that I hadn't imagined. Yeah, it's interesting that when when we finish one thing, people always ask us what's next. And I think uh, uh, for ourselves as well, we're always thinking, okay, what's going to be the next thing rather than allowing ourselves that that kind of assimilation, that processing period of time. Um, and it can be very, you get the thrill of kind of hopping from one thing to the next. What can I do next, 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 next? And as athletes, you're always told, you know, sleep is the best thing that your body needs to process your training. But somehow in our day-to-day lives, we just don't give ourselves again that permission to, to do it. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I think it's so easy to hop from one thing to another or relationship to relationship. And I think, again, the growth comes when you can sit with yourself. And so often in after like a big uh, an event or a big journey or adventure, it's like I was chatting with Kiki and Louie about it post Europe, like you get that low and it's real. The blues are real um, and you do have to sit with yourself for a few weeks or, or months or whatever it takes. And and just let it sink in. And it's not always easy. Um, but I think that's when you really, you gain something from from yourself and from the journey and you're able to see it in a whole new way. Um, but yeah, it's, it, you have to have those kind of ups and downs um, between journeys, I think, to really get the best out of them. Mm, and as you say, with a relationship, no matter how, how it's ended or or how you've left it it's still a leaving it's still a grieving process and something that you know that you've put a lot of emotion in that's going to leave imprints on you and as you say it can be you can sort of feel like oh I need to hop into the next one or find somebody else and actually it's usually in that period that we find ourselves more we recalibrate and think okay what is the imprint that's been left and how can I move forwards with this as this person who's a product of those experiences and not just kind of put it in that box and then try and open another one (laughs) yeah definitely and I think well from relationships or events there's such a build-up for more on events but there's such a build-up to that peak and then when you get to that peak it's like the classic olympic post-olympic depression for athletes um you get to that peak and you're like well what's left what's the next thing there is nothing more than that. Um, or you might not have the next adventure or the next plane ticket booked or the next whatever whatever you do. Um, and so I think, yeah, it is it is tricky. Um, but like you say, that's sitting with yourself um, and letting that reflective process happen. I think it's very powerful. Mm, and thinking about sort of like the, the traces that either um experiences or people leave on us obviously we as we are traveling we're also interacting with people around us and and leaving a a trace as well that we are hoping was a positive one and did you did you see that playing out as you were part of the group as in the the trace that we left behind yeah yeah definitely I think um it was it was you felt such an energy when you were with that group um and I think it was such a positive energy and I really, really hope that it is a positive energy that we have left behind, but it was, it was powerful. Um, like you, you turned up to a place and it, it set a light with the ambition and the, the energy and the interest and the enthusiasm for this, this journey. Um, and people were very interested in what we were doing. I think that's the other powerful thing that having a horse creates is it's a little bit different and it does kind of turn people's heads and and peak that that interest um so yeah I think it's it was hugely powerful and hugely positive hopefully that we left behind I think yeah it's really interesting I I hadn't really well I I, I don't really have horses in my life but actually and I'm certainly not right but I think that certainly moving with them and particularly you know when we went into Perth that day with kind of five horses I think we had at that point yeah. and just the just the buzz and this yeah. feeling of people gravitating towards them and it stirring up their own kind of emotions and 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 memories of connecting yeah. with horses in their past it's, it's really very profound I think and I yeah I remember the day that we came into Mull um the the final day with the horses and our final point when we came down the high street 
And then we we stood uh, around the clock tower and just the people coming up to us. It was so interesting to see their interaction with the horses and and again, how they were processing their conversation with the horses and all walks of life. You had elderly people, you had little children, you had just everyone coming up and wanting to touch the horses and wanting to be a part of it. Um, so, yeah, it was really special to be surrounded surrounded by that. Yeah, like you say, it's that intergenerational thing yeah. as well, which is really lovely. Everyone can experience them on a on a different on a different level, either with that fresh eyed kind of awe or that sort of nostalgic yeah. sense of so many other stories that are being sparked as yeah. well. It's that really nice network of of interactions and storytelling that the that the animals kind of set alight. It's very much put me in mind of the, you know, the Charlie Mackesy kind of yeah. the, the boy, the fox, yeah. the mole, and the horse. And the horse is always kind of the central, yeah. solid, wise, yeah. beautiful creature that's kind of bringing them all together and carrying them forwards. And it certainly felt a lot like that. There was this kind of spirit force that kind yeah. of went went with us a lot. I think an inspiration. Um, I think I I. I don't often feel that way in an like in an inspired way, but I, I really did feel inspired by the journey and the people that I was around and I guess the ambition of, of future adventures. Um, so I think that was a really interesting emotion that I personally felt that I wasn't expecting to feel. Was that something again that has that differed from previous adventures and things that you've attempted yourself? Yeah, I think it's it's very hard to compare, um, but it's something that I haven't often felt. Um, so that was it was interesting for me to to experience that. And we've talked to quite a bit about the sort of the more profound kind of inner landscape that's kind of changed within yourself from this journey but there's also as with things like the Canterbury Tales where actually the notion of pilgrimage is also sitting down and sharing stories in a you know a pub or a cafe at the end of the day have you found that there's any anecdotes or particular moments that you've returned to or the ones that you've told since being back oh um I think (laughs) I think the four four and a bit hour um cycle across Mull was definitely a standout moment. Um, one that was challenging for my bottom and, and challenging, <laughs> um, challenging in every every sense. Um, it was beautiful. Like I think I was just like taken aback by the beauty of Scotland. Um, so I think that's something that I have shared massively wide and far. Um, but yeah, that that those those final few days, although they weren't with the horses um it was very special to cycle the length of mull on a mountain bike um so yeah i think though that that's one that i has stuck with do you feel that there are things that you have now kind of assimilated within yourself that are going to carry forward into your work into your wider life and perhaps what what do you sort of identify as what those things might be yeah that's a very interesting question again um I think for me, there's a few, like we said about the social uh, or emotional aspects that um, I definitely had to learn to lean on a little bit more um, around the kind of patience. And I think, although I am a very free spirit and quite wild, I love, uh, I yeah, I love to get on, get on and do something. But I think having that kind of fluidity, both, along the journey and with people um i think was is something that i learned or took will take away from that scottish trip um yeah i think there there is a lot of subconscious things i think to unpack it in a and narrate it i think is i i guess i haven't i haven't been able haven't done yet and i probably in the experiences that i go forward and do that's when they'll probably come out and okay that's where i have got this from um but yeah, I think it's I think it's that that space to have those interesting, non-judgmental, um, and very uncontrolled and just easy, easy conversations. Because I think and and presence, I think that's the that's the thing for me, and is so so important for me. Because I think so often in our daily lives now, 
it, you're always surrounded by a phone or a screen and it's so distracting. And if you can just sit with someone and have that conversation and there's no other distractions around and you're not, I think the classic, the classic thing is when you're, when you're asking a question, you're thinking about your next question more than the answer that you're receiving. And I think if you can remove that and actually listen to listen. And I had this conversation with Louis and it was really interesting. Um, but uh, yeah, if you can listen to listen and, and, and not have those distractions and have that uncontrolled, just easy, easy conversation. I think that is the most powerful thing that you can have and that you can take away from, from adventures like this. Mm, it's interesting because you arrived in a carnival moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but did you find that actually you felt that you could be, or you found yourself being so much more yourself? Yeah, definitely. Um, and I constantly now seek to find experiences and people that bring the best out of me and more rather than suppressing who I really am. Because um, I think for so long, and it's so easy to to just have convenient friends or make a convenient lifestyle for you or, or go to work and it doesn't really tick your boxes. Um, but yeah, I think like those trips really bring out the best in you because you're surrounding yourself by, by people that really are your type of people. And I think that was a big thing for me in Africa. Like I've always led a very isolated um very solitary lifestyle um, and not had a, a huge group of friends. I've never went to university. I had a bit of a tricky time at school. I've done an individual sport from a young age. Um, so I've never had a, a, a large number of friends. Um, and I have really struggled to find who really makes me tick. But I think going to Africa last year, I was just able to find people that were so on par with me that I didn't need to be anyone else. It was so unforced. It was so easy. Uh, and you feel like you've known them for years and conversations just flow and you have six hour conversations and it feels like two minutes. Um, so yeah, I think finding your people is really important and people are so worried about that, but actually there are so many people out there. If someone isn't, isn't ticking your boxes and making you feel alive, um, go and find someone else. I think that's a really important message. We are we are creatures that are bred of circumstance so often and fret that we won't find yeah. that circumstance that, uh, that allows us to to fit in. But actually, you know, the, the people that you find sometimes within a few minutes, yeah. you have that connection with and yeah. realize, okay, yeah, you're my person. Okay, that kind of deep, deeper relationship yeah. that comes from from knowing each other's flaws and yeah. seeing them and embracing them might come later, but actually there's no worry about, about finding that space for yourself because actually at some point the space presents itself yeah. um, and you might have to try a few things out, but that's okay as well. And I think like this linear yeah. journey. <laughs> what does you're saying about accepting it in other people? I think also self-acceptance. Like I think for me, that was a big thing and realizing that we're not perfect and I'm really okay with that. Um, because for so long I wasn't okay with that and you always pick yourself apart and I don't know have of self image issues or self uh emotional issues or whatever it is um and that's not to say they're not still there but it's okay I I know that that's a weakness of mine or I know that that's an area that I want to improve on in my life but I've accepted that's who I am and I think when you have that self-acceptance then you can go out into the world and have acceptance within others Mm, absolutely and I think it's really it's important to embrace this moment that you're at <laughs> and things that you're you're finding within yourself at the moment um but I'm curious also as to kind of what's what's next in this chapter for you coming up well um so I'm off to Namibia on Sunday um and that's just a two-week trip um doing a horse safari across Namibia with some clients which I'm very very excited for um and then I'm staying in South Africa um and doing my next level of guiding qualifications um until November time um so it's quite nice and very rare for me to have um 
some set time where I have a routine. I know what I'm doing. I don't need to worry about a roof over my head next week. Um, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to having that time to be a bit more still as well. Um, and then who knows what's after that for me. Uh, I've had a lot of different thoughts, but I'm I'm really excited for this. Again, this space um, in the bush where I'm happy um, to maybe bring together all of those different thoughts and, and get to the bottom of, of an idea that I want to take forward. I'm so excited to watch your your journeys unfurl sorry and hopefully we can we can connect again on a <laughs> on an adventure next year which I know we're all kind of talking about yeah. already but I think it's going to be a really interesting and creative um and educational as well a few months for you um coming up and I'll I'll make sure to also in the show notes just signpost to your um travel Instagram as well so that people can Thank find you. you and connect with you yeah. um if they so choose because it sounds really really exciting and I can I can assure a safe <laughs> and caring <laughs> pair of hands that you're putting yourself in with Zoe as well um and I'd just like to finish by asking you the question that I ask all the guests on the podcast which is what does joy mean to you Zoe gosh I think for me it's changed over the year it would have changed over the years if you'd asked me at different points in my life but for me now joy is freedom um and I think freedom means so much to me in so many different aspects um whether that's having the freedom to go for a run because my body is healthy whether that's the freedom to be in a fortunate enough financial position to to take on an experience or whether that's freedom to share my opinion uh, around people that I feel comfortable with. Freedom, I think, just spans so many different avenues for me. Um, and actually, I when I did my first World Cup in Cairo, the only piece of jewellery that I wear is a, a feather and that represents freedom. So I think that's a really powerful um part of my life that I strive for I'm so grateful to the community that is growing around the podcast and if you've enjoyed today's episode I would so appreciate if you can share it with your communities and help spread the message of support perseverance and joy further if you have any feedback or suggestions for future guests you can find me on instagram at running underscore on underscore joy I'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time for Running on Joy.